is there someone who isn't in the UFC, who could be in the UFC, who could kill you within the UFC rule set? So you're not allowed to like poke someone's eye so hard you actually go into their brain or like go through their, I guess you could go through their chest. I guess there's no rule against that. It's just a really hard thing to do. You probably are allowed to use fake Kung Fu moves. I'm not really sure on that one. Uh, like the ones from the movies where you like go in under his lungs and up and then pull out his heart. Uh, but again, fiction. So that doesn't really happen. Not a real problem. So I think they're missing the point of you have to fight within the rules of the USC. This actually relates to our previous story, which is kind of like these two linked in my head to a bit. Can you be more deadly? The only way to be more deadly than a UFC fighter, like the top UFC fighter right now, I don't know who that is, but let's just say a UFC fighter is... He's going to be very, very good at what he does. How would you be more deadly? They're going to, because UFC fighters are sort of all rounders. They can punch, they can kick, they can wrestle, they can choke, they can arm lock, all that kind of stuff. You would have to punch so hard you could kill someone in one hit. That would make you maybe too deadly. But the only way they would find that out is if you were put into the UFC. And then you actually had to punch someone to death. And because it was within the rule set, the answer is actually no, that's fine. Because as long as you follow the rules. So the answer to that question is actually with a little bit of thought. No, there is no one too deadly to join the UFC. Because to be deadly within the UFC, you would probably have to break the UFC's rules. And then you wouldn't be in the UFC anymore. So last week, I talked about working at a publishing house as an intern. I only did it for a few months. So there's not a whole lot of stories there. And again, most of it was flight simulator, uh, flying a warthog and shooting like little bases. It was a pretty good game. A couple of people asked, you know, if there were any other stories, anything else happened. It seemed like an interesting thing that I did. It was really cool. It was weird as much as it was cool because again, the publishing company was so small. It was, I think, a man, his wife, one other guy, and then me, the intern. That was like the full staff. But that meant I got a lot of hands-on stuff with a lot of different things. One of the things I got to do, which was fairly memorable, was go to a book show. But I went to a book show on the publishing side. So I stood behind a counter and we had all the books that the publishing company sold. And it was like a book fair, trade show kind of thing. Now, of course, any event like that leads appeals to a certain type of person. Because what they're thinking is, here are people who actually publish books. And I have written a book, and it's the best book that's ever been written. And I think if I can get it into their hands, they'll read it. Very much like my previous story where I thought if the publisher guy, uh, the guy who ran the company, read my novel, he would break away from the fact that he never published novels and actually do it for the first time. Didn't happen. Never published a book. I stood behind the counter. I was wearing a nice suit. You know, it was one of my first ones that I ever bought. And I, I was feeling pretty good. And I was talking to a lot of people. And I was talking about the, the books that we sell and what we do as a company. And then the writers started coming up. And the writers were primarily older, desperate people. The place where I was living at the time, the population skewed older already. So that wasn't, the older part wasn't so strange. But... Clearly, they had finished their careers, and they'd sat down and wrote memoirs or some kind of book, and they started telling me about them. And what I would always say, and again, just like the last story, we don't publish novels. We don't publish memoirs. 
We only publish poetry. So my experience with poetry was a little bit in school and this company. That was my sole exposure to it. Uh, and most of what I did was formatting. I didn't judge the content. I didn't have opinions on it. I just tried to make it look nice on the page. And I only managed to do it for like two or three books in the time I was there. I took the cover art that was designed by someone else and I essentially copy and pasted it into the publishing software. So you can see that my influence over what was going to be possible was very minimal. But of course, the person on the other side of the table who desperately wanted their uh, novel published to get their publishing career started to, to become a world famous author, this was the first step was to convince this like 25 year old kid that they had the novel that was worth looking at. So most people, once I said, we don't publish fiction or nonfiction or anything else, we only publish poetry, they would kind of be disappointed, but understand that I wasn't saying anything judgmental about them personally, and they would move on. That was the most normal one. Of course, that does mean there was an abnormal one, and it was the person who was just not ready to give up. He was grasping a full manuscript. And he had a card. Now, the first thing he did was give me his card. And I took it because you just put it down and you never look at it again. You're never going to contact this guy because, again, he's pushing a novel on me and we don't publish novels. And I certainly have no say in any of this process. I'm here to sell you a book for $6 if that's what you want. It's a book of poetry by a, a local Canadian artist, which, you know, that in itself proves it's probably not very good. And it was formatted by me, if you're lucky. I mean, that's, again, all, all I really was able to say to other people. And so he had this manila envelope that I recognized because I had sent away many of those in my time trying to get people to look at my work. He was clearly not holding a single chapter, which is usually what you would send in this kind of situation. This was back when uh, the internet wasn't as prominent, so you were still sending physical copies into places with a postcard so they could send that back to you as a rejection. It was an interesting process. What you would do is I would like pack up my first chapter, I would write a letter, and I would send it off to the publisher, and you have to include a stamped return envelope or a postcard so they could just basically send it back to you saying, no, we don't want it. And then in your thing, you had to say, like, don't send the manuscript back to me because that's actually more postage. Uh, you can just destroy it. And so I had learned all this stuff from uh, a book, and it was like, a book where it just had a list of every publisher in North America. And I think I sent my first novel off to almost every one of them. And just week after week, after hundreds and hundreds of rejection letters, I actually don't know if it was hundreds. I think there was only like a hundred something places I sent it to. But just rejection letter after rejection letter written in your own hand, it's almost more hurtful. Uh, there was one place that was really nice, sent me a letter, and they said, uh, this isn't quite for us, but we would be interested in seeing your next effort, which was the most encouraging thing I think anyone said in that whole process, which was great. It just, my life didn't end up giving me the time to actually work on a second novel in any real way. But the guy, he's standing in front of me. He's gray. He's desperate. He has tears welling up in his eyes, and he's holding what is like J.R.R. Tolkien size manuscript uh, for some novel. And I just want to tell him that we're not going to take it. I just want to tell him to go away. But then I realize he's not going away until I take it. So I can throw it in the pile because what they actually had in the basement office where I worked was a pile of manuscripts. It wasn't, you know, filed away. It was literally on the floor. What you would do is pick up a package, open it up, 
find the rejection thing and just stick that in the mail. If it didn't have it, you would just throw the whole thing away. As I said in the previous story last week, I did actually try to read stuff every now and then just because I would like someone to have done that for me. But understanding the reality of the sheer volume of stuff that comes in and how little of it can actually get read, it's just like the internet. If you sit down today and you make a YouTube video or a TikTok, I don't know, whatever's popular right now, but you make a YouTube video and you just drop that one YouTube video into the ocean of the internet. The expectation that that is going to be your career is unbelievable. It's infeasible. It's just not even possible if you really think about the scope of the internet, how many videos are being uploaded every single day. So you're playing more than just the lottery when you do this. The chances of winning the lottery are probably better. And that is why I was less hurt when I started getting rejection letters, because I knew a significant portion of those came from people who didn't have the time to even look at the content therein. So I took this man's massive, massive manuscript, and I took it back into the office, and I quite sadly put it on the pile, knowing that I would probably never even open it before it got tossed in the garbage, because he hadn't included a self-addressed stamped envelope or a postcard that we could send a rejection thing to. So he was just never going to hear from us again. He had left me his card, but so had 50 other people. And I wasn't going to take his card and actually match it to his manuscript because that would have been time out of my day that I wasn't going to give him. Because again, he didn't understand the basic premise that this isn't what we published. And he really didn't understand the reality of publishing a novel. And if anything, the one thing I learned through this experience as an intern was how nearly impossible it is to be successful. Because the first step would be to get your book published. The second would be to actually get people to buy it. And most people are never even going to understand how hard it is to get past that first step. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. Leave a text or voice question or comment at voicelink.fm slash podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast, sexy out homies. To live the, or, or a post, post, the first step would be to be.